The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the verdict that the light came into the world, but the people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. But whoever lives the truth comes to the light so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. There are times in our lives when it would seem that we have everything under control. Everything's in order. Everything seems to be going well. And we believe that we can maintain that order, that comfort, that security. And something will happen that destroys it all. Perhaps in an instant, perhaps over time, but all of a sudden we are left desperate and helpless. In which case, we can either curse the situation that we're in, or we can unite ourselves to the love of the cross and open ourselves up to what God will bring out of it, knowing that there is always a redemptive love behind it all. Even though it might seem to be twisted and dark. So it was with the people of Israel. They were always grumbling against God and against Moses. They wanted water or food. They were always wanting to go back to Egypt, to where they'd been before, to slavery and to darkness. 
And they grumble again in the desert this time. They want to deal with the God who is the way the pagans deal with their gods. By grumbling, they will get what they want. And Moses becomes rather tired of them. But God is generous, but this time they grumble against God, wanting to go back to Egypt. And we are told in the scriptures that God sent serpents among them that met many of them, and many of them died. Well, actually, they had opened themselves up to evil, and the evil came. As the first reading tells us, God's people did evil and they opened themselves up to their enemies. So the people now realize they've done something wrong. They cry out to Moses to save them from the serpents. And Moses goes to God and God tells Moses to do something. It's really quite incredible. He doesn't say, everybody help one another. Or make ointment. He says, he tells Moses, make a serpent of bronze. Place it on a tree. And everyone who looks at it will be cured. Now, there's nothing in a bronze serpent that can cure a snake bite. But what was that serpent really? That serpent was a symbol of healing. Notice he didn't say take a live serpent. That would be a symbol of death. He said take a, make, a, make a serpent of bronze that looks like the live serpent, but doesn't have any poison in it. It's a symbol of the destroyer destroyed. The bronze serpent then becomes a symbol of life, empty of the poison, and all who look upon it will be cured. And so they are. God saves them through an act of obedience, but through an act of mercy that that prefigures something that is to come. And so our Lord then today is speaking to Nicodemus, who is the night man. Nicodemus always comes at night. He's afraid to be seen in the daylight because he's a prominent member of uh, Sanhedrin. And so our Lord speaks to him, and he tries to explain why he has come. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. What he means, of course, is that when he is lifted up, He then becomes the means by which life comes to us because he looks like sinful humanity. You and I have a poison. It came into the world through original sin and we keep it in it through our own sins. He's on the cross, but he's without poison. He can then uh, redeem us from our sins. And when we look upon him then, we are drawn into his life and then as a result, experience the grace that brings us eternal life. It's only the cross that brings us that life. Again, he's the destroyer destroyed. And through his own suffering and death, can take the poison away from us and bring us to life. All right? The gospel then goes on to perhaps one of the favorite verses in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world might be saved through him. You see that particular section of Scripture all over the place. 
on banners and signs, football games. People hold them up, and you suppose it says John 6.13. Uh, although what they're advertising really is a cheap love and not God's love. I'm glad they do that. I hope people read it. But they never tell us what it really means that God should so love the world. That's why I so much like that painting with the, with the, with the Latin words, Sig Deus Delexit Mundum, for God so loved the world. You and I have to realize that in our own lives. Otherwise, we will never understand love and we will never understand mercy at all. But to understand God's love, we have to go beyond simply the idea of, how shall I put it, pious consolation, which is what most people think the love of God is meant to be. There's some sort of pious consolation that makes me feel good about God, I feel good about myself, and isn't that wonderful? That's not the love of God. The love of God isn't soft. The love of God, in one sense, is as hard as a rock. And the love of God is total. It always overwhelms us when we realize it. Going back again to the the phrase for the year, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Wonderful. What does it mean? What does it mean for God to so love the world? You know, when I see those banners in public or again at a ball game or something like that, I think to myself, you know, there are two things I don't see on that banner. You're not really telling us about the love of God. You're telling us that God loves us, but what does that mean? Show us what it means when you hang up, when you put up a banner or a placard. What you never see on those banners is you never see a crucifix, and you never see that painting that tells us what the love of God is. Only when we enter into that can we begin to understand what it means and how we have to respond to it. So as the Israelites looked at the serpent, we look at that and are drawn into it by grace. Of course, we have to respond to it, as the Lord says. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned. What does belief mean? It means not only the intellectual assent, it means responding totally to what we see there and internalizing that love into ourselves. So the people will see a love that goes beyond simply the sweet and look upon the incredible, infinite, victimal love of God. There is no love. Love is not judged by how much I feel affirmed or how much I in some way feel secure as a result of knowing you. Love is always only love insofar as it is sacrificial. It cannot be otherwise. And so God says the same thing to us. I want everything from you. Never mind what your life is like. Never mind what you're going through. Never mind whatever you may be experiencing. I want everything from you. And I want you to be an image of my love. So I think that's why it's important for us to carry a crucifix around with us. It can be a little one somewhere in our pocket every now and then to remind us of that love and to look at it periodically. I remember a story Bishop Sheen once told. He was on a trip, he was flying somewhere, and um, he met a, a young Jewish man on the trip. And this young man was asking him about God's love. And uh, Bishop Sheen said, uh, well, let me show you. He said, I'm going to make bold to give you a small crucifix. 
And if you look at this from time to time, you will always be happy, and at the end of your life, you will be able to find what you were looking for. He said the next day he was flying back through the airport, and so was that young Jewish man whom he saw standing across at a distance. He said that the man held up the crucifix and kissed it. And Bishop Sheen said, I was amazed that he'd come to, to understand what the love of God was really all about, because that's the only way to do it. I know, we like, I've said, I know we like pictures of our Lord carrying a lamb. We like pictures of the Lord embracing people and patting people on the head. And that's all wonderful because that's all a reflection of God's love. But the love has to come from there and from there. So where do we find the perfection of that then in this life? Well, that's pretty obvious too, isn't it? You want to know where it is, it's always where it's going to be. It's going to be in the Eucharist. The Eucharist sums it all up. Without the Eucharist, we will never really understand that or that because this is the reality. Those are only the symbols. But the Eucharist takes us into the mystery of God's love and transforms us into sacrificial lovers, so to speak, who are now capable of doing things we could not have done before. Uh, We may not know that we're even doing it because God's doing the work. So let us often look at the serpent in the desert, to look at the crucifix and that picture, and remember what God has done and what we must change ourselves to do. Elect of God, come forward. Let us pray for these elect whom God has called that they may remain faithful to him and boldly give witness to the words of eternal life. That trusting in the truth of Christ, they may find freedom of mind and heart and preserve it always. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, That preferring the folly of the cross to the wisdom of the world, they may glory in God alone. Let us pray to the Lord. That freed by the power of the Spirit, they may put all fear behind them and press forward with confidence, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, That all who suffer persecution for Christ's name may find their strength in him, let us pray to the Lord. That those families and nations prevented from embracing the faith may be granted freedom to believe the gospel. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, That we who are faced with the values of the world may remain faithful to the spirit of the gospel. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, That the whole world which the Father so loves may attain in the church complete spiritual freedom. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord God, source of unfailing light, by the death and resurrection of Christ, you have cast out the darkness of hatred and lies and poured forth the light of truth and love upon the human family. Hear our prayers for these elect, whom you have called to be your adopted children. Enable them to pass from darkness to light and delivered from the prince of darkness to live always as children of the light 
We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus, as your own baptism, the heavens were opened, and you received the Holy Spirit to empower you to proclaim the good news to the poor and restore sight to the blind. Pour out the same Spirit on these elect who long for your sacraments. Guide them along the paths of right faith, safe from error, doubt, and unbelief, so that with eyes unsealed they, they may come to see you face to face, for you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Although you cannot yet participate fully in the Lord's Eucharist, stay with us as a sign of our hope that all God's children will eat and drink with the Lord and work with his spirit to recreate the face of the earth. 